This is September 15th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinoski. Hope you guys are having a great week. Uh, feels like fall now. The weather's, at least here in Boston, is getting a little cooler. Uh, night's not lasting as, or night's it's getting much darker earlier, which is really weird. Um, and it's weird. You'd, you'd be thinking right now you'd be getting into hockey and, you know, preseason action and we'd be talking training camp, but instead we're talking off season. And there is a lot, a lot to talk about with the off season, especially after Cam Neely's, um, end of the season press conference last week, which in this episode, Dale Arnold and I, you know, Dale, obviously from pre and post game shows on Nesson and 10 to 2 WEIs every day. Uh, you know, Dale, obviously probably more than you know me, uh, which is good, which I'm, you know, he's much older. You should know him more than me, uh, but Dale's great. Him and I had a great conversation, really long actually. Um, and it was really, really insightful and fun uh, just on the state of the Bruins and what kind of changes they need to make. Um, I think you will be very interested in this. It's not very negative either, which you might like. It's not a very negative show. Uh, which is good. It's been changed from the norm lately. It's been a little bit too negative um, for everyone's liking. So this is a little bit more positive, a little bit more fun. Um, Dale also announced um, he's doing a second book. Uh, and it will be it will be announced what the book is on later on um, this month or next month. It'll be within the next couple of weeks that it will be announced. So I, uh, I he did not announce it on the show, but he did announce he's doing a second book. So you can look forward to that as well. Um, also. Speaking of weights finally being over, football's back. Uh, and you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Okay? That's from betonline.ag. They are 100% legit and they are 100% right on that. You can get in on their season opening of bonuses today and start off wagering on win, division, and championship futures today. So if you're feeling good about those Patriots, time to bet on them. If you're saying, hey, it's not really, this isn't legit, it's the Dolphins, they're going to get their doors blown off next week against the Seahawks, time to bet. Um, head up to bet online, to online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Dale Arnold. <laughs> And we're here with Dale Arnold. Dale, how are you? Uh, all things being equal, I'm all right, Evan. How about you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Happy to have you here. Always fun when you can join uh, Bruins Beat. It's funny, when you were doing, when the Bruins were back in August and you were doing the pregame shows, you guys would all have to stand far apart. How was that? Was that how much different was that for you? I'll, uh, I'll give Nesson credit. Uh, they went to the a- absolute ultimate degree to make things as safe as they could. First of all, there's almost no one in the building. Almost everyone is working remote. Only the people who technically have to be in the building to, to get the job done. Uh, but then they would set up rooms for each of us. There was a room that was just for the Bruins studio crew, me, Billy, and Barry. No one could go in that room at any point, even if we weren't in the building. Uh, they, no one could go in the room. There's a room for TC for his thing. There's a, there's a room for the Bruins broadcast crew. There's a room for Jack and Brick. And literally, no one can go in the room. Garen Austin has her own room. Uh, you know, it, the, the way it's set up, 
is they're trying to make everybody as safe as they can. You'd wear a mask at every moment you're in the building until literally just before the, the red light went on, you'd take the mask off. You'd do, you know, pregame show, intermission or whatever it was. Then the minute it ended, put the mask back on, you go back into your, into your separate room. Uh, but they, they did as much as they could under the circumstances that they had. And I appreciate it. I know Billy and Barry and Andrew did as well. And, you know, I wish it had lasted longer, but for the time it lasted, it was as good as we could do under the circumstances. We were never closer than six, eight, 10 feet apart. That is amazing that Nesson was that accommodating to, uh, to have that, um, especially it was so good. It was such a sense of normalcy to see it done in person. Um, you know, it'd been so many months of seeing from home broadcasts and that's fine. You know, those are great. And, 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 and we would have appreciated that just as much, but to see it be all in person again, felt like there was a little bit more normalcy, uh, which I think hurt. they talked, they, they did at one point at least discuss the possibility of doing what we're doing right now mm-hmm. and, you know, putting everybody remote and we've done a lot of things remotely. All of us have, you know, since all this took place, uh, at, at WEI, it's a little different in that uh, those who want to go back into the building can, but my boss, Mark Hannon has been very adamant. And he said, Dale, you don't come back into the building till you feel that you want to. And, you know, if, if you're listening on the radio to when I do the show, uh, you would never know that, that I'm sitting in this room right here in my basement with a little studio setup that they sent me, that they shipped to me. And I, we hooked it up. Uh, and it's not, it's not quite the same as Nesson. Um, you know, they can't, they only have one studio, you know, yeah. and, and so Greg Hill's show works in it and then our show follows and then OMF follows and they do everything they can. They clean as often as they can. They keep as safe as they can, but they aren't able to, to segment things and partition things off the way Nesson was able to do. And I know, I caught some crap on Greg Hill's show about, oh, you can go into Nesson and do the pregame show, but you can't come into EEI. It's just different. It's not, it's not criticizing EEI or anything like that. Just physically, they were able to do more to keep everybody safe than they were able to do physically at EEI. And it's why when I do radio, I'm sitting in this room right here. And when I do TV, I'm, I'm in Watertown. And you can see Rich and, and everybody else on your show, correct? Like what from nope. home? Oh, you can't. See no, that. I mean, we could theoretically, we could, you know, we could set up Zoom calls or, or FaceTimes. I think OMF is doing that. Um, and, and truthfully, quite honestly, it's been more seamless than we expected under the circumstances. Sounds I have the not same. seen, I haven't seen Rich since March 12th. <laughs> really? I have not seen him face to face since March 12th. Now we talk all the time. We text, we call but I physically haven't seen him since March 12th. And I, we like to think that if you're listening at home, you don't know that that's the whole idea here. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully this all ends at some point soon. I uh, saw a thing today on Twitter that said that vac- not everyone can be vaccinated until 2024 with this. And I was like, no, if, it, if they need two doses, that's what they're saying. If you need a double dose of this, which some people have said it could be now, I don't think it's going to be that long. Um, Anthony Fauci said it might be the end of 2021 mm-hmm. before we get back to pre-COVID levels where everybody was before. Those were and, the days. And even, that se- uh, even that seems like the end of the world for most of us. I, God, I remember the sta- I met you. We met at the Stanley Cup last year, and you know we we shook hands and we we stood closer than six feet apart, and we didn't have masks on. Mandale, I mean, I miss those times. 
Um, you know, it's, but, it's funny you should say that. It's, it's simple human interactions. Uh, my, I have three kids. Mm-hmm. One lives in Richmond with his wife. Uh, one lives in California, although she's about to move back east with her fiance. One lives in Worcester. Now, I've seen the one in Worcester, you know, once every week or two. We physically haven't touched since March. You know, you see your daughter, you give her a hug. We don't do that uh, because, you know, she's in a different place than I am. Um, My wife and I are are of an age that makes things a little more difficult. My wife had pretty major surgery this summer, and the surgeon made it clear you can't bring anything home. And so, you know, we go and sit on, on my daughter's back deck and sit 10 feet apart. But I haven't hugged my daughter since March. Uh, because that's kind of where we are right now. It's a it's a really tough place uh, to be in, you know. And I feel like this is impacting everyone negatively. That just that sounds um, horrible. Obviously, I wish your wife um, the best as she recovers. Um, so let's get into some Bruins talk. This makes it feel a little bit more normal when we can talk about the old uh, the old bees. Um, so right now, obviously, the Bruins are fresh off of uh, a second round exit against the Lightning which uh, obviously we've dissected quite a bit, you on your show, me on mine. Uh, But so Cam Neely said something last week that I thought was very interesting um, in his exit interviews, which always are pretty telling uh, what they're going to do for the offseason. He said, quote, we've got some guys that have played a lot of good hockey for us, a lot of years for us, and their careers are somewhat winding down. We have to really take a hard look at where we're at as an organization. Can we compete again for the Stanley Cup? If we can, what do we have to do to our roster to do that? So we really have to be honest with ourselves in assessing our team, assessing our players and the organization, seeing where we think we really are going to be. We have to be as brutally honest as possible about where we think we're going to be in the next couple of years. We have to react accordingly to that. Now, I heard that, and that makes me think there's two options. You either rebuild or you just die on the hill of this group. What do you think the Bruins should do and what do you think they will do? I do think there's a third option, and I understand the point you're making. Um, rebuild to me means like what the Red Sox are going through right now, which is you tear it down to the studs <laughs> and you start over. And I hope to God, and, I, and I'm and i fairly certain Cam doesn't mean that. Yeah. Uh, they had the best record in the National Hockey League when the league broke it in March 12, on March 12th. Um, you don't have to take this down to the studs and start over. Uh, you don't also, in my opinion, come back with the exact same group. If you think about, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, you know, they're a win away from a Stanley Cup final. They're the team that eliminated you. You didn't have to play them last year when you got to the Stanley Cup final, but two years ago, they eliminated you again. That's kind of the measuring stick for me. And you've got to think about what do you have to do to get past them? Forget about winning the Stanley Cup. You've got to get past Tampa Bay to get that far. And I think that's what Cam and Donnie Sweeney are looking at right now. And I think, you know, Cam's very, very blunt. He's very honest. Uh, he tells it the way he feels it. And I sincerely appreciate that. I think they feel that they've got to make some moves. Now, some of those moves are going to be made for them. For instance, I think the Detroit Red Wings are going to back up a Brinks truck to Tory Krug's backyard. Absolutely. And you're just not going to be able to afford him. And good for Tory, by the way. That's not a knock on him at all an undrafted free agent who put himself in that position. I'm thrilled for him. He deserves it. He, he's going to, in, in, in my opinion, get a chance to go home and play hockey in front of family and friends, and good for him. 
but you're going to have to replace that. Uh, you've got a decision to, to make about Zdeno Chara. I would bring Chara back. Uh, I, I, I would say he is a bottom four defenseman on your team. He's a penalty kill specialist. Uh, he's a guy who can absolutely help bring along the younger defenseman, whether that's Jorho Vakanainen, whatever it is. Uh, you know, and, and I think that, that Chara is the perfect guy to help bring those people along. I would bring him back uh, for another year. He's made it clear, A, he wants to play, and B, he wants to play for the Bruins. Now, I don't think he's a top two defenseman anymore. I don't think he's a 27-minute-a-night you know, guy anymore. But in particular places, I think he still has value, even at the age of 43. And, and I'll be curious to see if the Bruins agree with that. Uh, I think you've also got to think about the possibility of a little more major surgery here. I'm not advocating this. I'm using it as an example. Uh, do you consider the possibility of trading Tuka Rask with a year left under his contract? Uh, do you consider the possibility of trading David Krejci? Uh, Krejci's the highest paid player on the team right now. Uh, everybody loves him. You know, we, we got glimpses of playoff David Krejci this year, and then we got glimpses of not playoff David Krejci. Do you consider the possibility of those moves? You look at the Dallas Stars right now, and you see where they've gotten with Anton Hudobin as, you know, their, their number one goaltender. Um, I happen to think whoever you bring in here to be the goaltender to replace Tuka Rask won't be as good as Tuka Rask. Uh, you know, I think he's pretty darn good. My guess is they will bring Rask back. He's got a year left under his deal. I'm guessing that that's the case. But I think they're going to consider the possibility of making a little more major move. Do you bring back Jake DeBrusque if he thinks he's worth $5 million a year? And I'm using these as just throw out examples. Do you wonder if that's worth it to you in a in a sport in which the, the salary cap's going to be flat next year? Uh, so, you know, I think DeBrusque, Krejci, Rask, Chara, those are among the names. Unfortunately, some of these decisions are going to be made for you. Krug's going to be made for you. Uh, I love Kevin Miller, but his physical condition over the last couple of years may make that decision for you. Uh, through no fault of him or anybody else. It just may be the way reality is. So those are among the things that I think you've got to consider. But if you've got a core, if you've got a base that includes, you know, Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak, just to start, uh, Charlie McAvoy, uh, Brandon Carlo, that's a pretty good basis for a pretty decent hockey team. It is certainly not a tear it down to the studs and start over hockey team, in my opinion. I totally see this. I agree with you totally on this. I I'm with you. I think there's a third option in the middle where you can, you can retool parts and not change the whole foundation of the thing. It's like you're remodeling a house in a sense, but I think on a much smaller scale, I, you know, uh, Fluto Shinzawa has been mentioning, has been throwing around potentially Jake DeBrusque, also Brandon Carlo, who I'm not for trading really at all, unless you definitely are getting the better player in the deal. I don't see why you would trade Brandon Carlo. I think he's your shutdown D man of the future. I don't see the need to do that. But someone like Jake DeBrusque, you know, he comes asking. His agent was mentioning $6 million, uh back over the summer. I remember thinking, what? $6 million? I think DeBrusque should be getting around three and a half at max right now on a short-term prove-me type deal. So I think yeah. if he's asking for more. I think trading him wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if you can, if you are upgrading your team. You know, again, this has to be – you have to use this veteran core to upgrade your team and to actually 
continue to compete. The one thing I will say about your goaltending point with Hudobin is consistently the past few years, it's sort of been, you know, you need a hot goalie in the playoffs. Everyone knows that, you know, and that, and just because a guy like is Tuka Rask or Carey Price doesn't mean they're going to be hot, which makes it that much tougher to figure out, you know, if you bring in, let's say the Bruins hypothetically do trade Rask and they bring in someone like, I don't know, uh, Peter Mraz. Mark, Mark Andre Fleury. Mark Andre Fleury would be a good one. If, but if, if the story out there is true that Robin Leonard has agreed to a five-year contract extension, he doesn't want to talk about it right now, but I kind of think there's something to that. Fleury's going to be available. Yes. So if you have a Fleury, or if you want to go cheaper and have a Mrazic-Halak tandem, it just, it's luck. It's a total crapshoot of, of who's going to be hot come hopefully next year, April and May. So it, it, you know, I mean, who would have picked Anton Hudobin to be, to be the guy that's, that's potentially going to take his team on a Stanley Cup run as much to as we love To be the second Doby, coming of Tim Thomas all of a sudden. Yes. Yes. I mean, we love, we love Doby around here, but I mean, it's totally foreign to most um, NHL fan bases, especially down there in Carolina when they had him. So it really is kind of luck. Like, that's really what it comes down to with goaltenders in the players. I mean, Jordan Bennington last year compared to Jordan Bennington this year. So that's going to be tough. I think, as you said, I think Rask comes back, um, and that's what they do. But oh, it's funny, to- though, you, if you think about the reaction when, uh, when Tuca opted out, and we would take calls on Sports Talk Radio, and we'd hear from a lot of people who'd say, good, damn it, get him out of there. It's time to let Yaroslav Halak have his moment in the sun anyway. He'll be great. Then after about two games of Yaroslav Halak, it was, where the hell is Tuka? How could he leave this team hung out to dry like this? Uh, I, I was in communication with Tuka on the day that he opted out. Yes, you reported this. You reported I know. this. And, you had all the big scoops were, of this year, Dale. Save some for the rest of us. There, there were things that I could say, and there were things that I was not comfortable saying. But not long after I was communicating with Tuka, I got a text from one of Tuka's former teammates who texted me and just said, I just got off the phone with Tukes. I can just tell you that if I was him, I'd have left too. Now this was a former teammate and you know, this was, this was family. And in this day and age with what's going on in the world, we all think of family more than anything else. Uh, Would it have been easier if he had opted out before they went there? If he had done a Stephen camper and just said, listen, I can't do this. I'm sorry. I think people still would have been pissed because he's such a That's polarizing player. People would player. still be so yeah. pissed if he left before. Yeah. But at least then they'd say, okay, you know, at least I understand. He tried. The Bruins knew what was going on here. He was in communication with them, which is why Don Sweeney and Cam Neely said, we weren't surprised by this. They knew what was going on. They knew what Tuca and his family was dealing with. So when he finally went to them that that day in Toronto and said, look, I got to go home. They understood completely. And I can tell you that among his teammates, and I've heard this a lot, interestingly enough, by no one who's in the, who was in the bubble in Toronto, but just knows what the players were thinking up there. Oh, the players are pissed. The players are upset with him. I talked to some of his teammates. Uh, they weren't upset at all. They understood exactly what he was dealing with. This wasn't a surprise to them either. And, and they were in complete support of him. If, if Tuka Rask is back as the starting goaltender for the Bruins when they start the season, theoretically December 1st, whenever it is, uh, he's not going to have many guys that he's got to win back in that, in that dressing room. He's just not. 
And I know fans don't understand that and they don't believe it. Uh, but I can tell you, he's got more support within the organization than among the fan base. Yeah, I just, I never, I like, part of our job is to take sports extremely seriously. It's our jobs. You've made a an incredible living and career. You have sandwiches named after you because. Only one. The, 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 only one, but it's a very good sandwich up in the main oh, diner. Hot lobster roll. What are you kidding me? It's the best. It's the best. But so we obviously love to take sports extremely seriously, but it, in reality, like family does come first. That's not, I mean, it's a, it's a cliche thrown around by like every student athlete ever, but it's true. Yeah, but family it's why comes I'm doing, first. It's why I'm doing my radio show in my basement. Exactly. Since March. It's not because I'm afraid of what's going to happen to me. We were told by a surgeon, you can't bring anything home for your wife here. You've got to be careful. I'm sitting in this room right here because of family. And there's. But sorry, family comes first. It comes first for you. It comes first for me. It comes first for Tuca and. You know, Dante Hightower opts out for the Patriots. Nobody says a word. Patrick Chung says, my wife's expecting a baby. Sorry, I can't, I can't show up. Nobody says a word. Tuka Rask gets his butt hauled over the coals. Well, that's also because he's the number one goalie. And the fans are a little more volatile with the, with the Bruins. And there's been some he's stuff He's also in the past. just so polarizing. Well, that's, that's part of it. I mean, I think that's kind of all of it. Uh, but so we both agree Rask will be back. We both agree changes need to be made up front. But I don't think it's big changes, and I think we both have thought this. So um, I think I'm not going to sit here and propose trades because I think that's so annoying to do because they never end up happening. Like no one would have guessed the Bruins would have went out and got Charlie Coyle at the deadline in 2018 or 2019. Like no one projected that to happen. Uh, sure. We figured Donato might be on the move, but no one was like, oh, it's going to be for Charlie Coyle. Like that, that did come out of nowhere at the time. But free agency I think is very interesting because I do think the Bruins are in need of a – veteran-ish, left-shot, top-four defenseman. Chara now will probably be on that third pairing if he's brought back with a guy like Maybe, se- maybe so the second, but yeah. It's second probably third. third. I don't know if I'd want him top-four anymore, but but because he's mainly shut down penalty kill role. But I think you want kind of a dual-threat defenseman. There's some good, solid, cheaper left-shot free agents out there, guys like TJ Brody, Brendan Dillon. He's not going to be that expensive. Right shot, you have Travis Hamanick. Sammy Vatnin, do you think the Bruins go out and spend a little more than they used than they usually do in free agency? It'll be interesting to see, not just here in Boston, but around the National Hockey League, how GMs are going to handle this offseason spending. Because uh, it's we think it's going to be a flat cap for this year. Do we think that we know that it's going to go back up the year after? I think they said a couple of years at least. It's it's going to be a while. And, you know, if you, if you give a guy – and we've talked about Krug. And, look, Detroit's got, you know, a crap ton of cap space. They can probably afford to do this. But, you know, how far out are you willing to go for a guy like Jake DeBrusque at big money knowing that your your cap's going to be flat for at least the next year, if not the next couple of years? It's a, it's a different um, – financial landscape not just in hockey obviously but in all the sports and and I'll be curious to see how they handle this now generally speaking when the Bruins make a move the last five six seven years since Don Sweeney came on board uh, generally speaking the reaction offense is really that's it 
Uh, yeah, you're getting, you, you're getting, you know, Daniel Paye and, you know, it's that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's Charlie Coyle was a little different because of local connection, college connection, Weymouth and all that. But for the most part, when, when they make an acquisition, it kind of underwhelms the fan base. Uh, this year, who the hell thought of Andre Kasha and Nick Ritchie as potential trade targets? And based on the way the playoffs, you know, played out, maybe they weren't such great moves either. Uh, but, you know, it may be names like you just said. It may be Brody or somebody like that who Bruins fans are going to go, well, wait a minute. That's not – he's not as good as Tory Krug or he's not as good as so-and-so. But it's this financial puzzle, this this crossword melange that all these GMs have to deal with where, okay, I've got this much money to spend. If I spend it on this defenseman here, I go get a top two defenseman. I get Charlie Coyle's, uh, you know, or Charlie McAvoy's defense partner for the next five years. Well, that's going to cost me so much money. I got no money left to spend up front. And by the way, it may be Matt Grislick, who is Charlie McAvoy's defense partner going forward anyway. I think that's what it's going to be. I also think that one thing this postseason, you mentioned the lightning as a measuring stick. One thing this postseason opened our eyes to was you know, the scoring's coming from limited areas. It's the top line. It's the power play. And that's kind of it. You need depth. You need more scoring depth. Lightning have tons of scoring depth. Well, it's and, why the Lightning are, are blitzing the Islanders right now. Yeah. The play of the top line for the Lightning as compared to the play of the top line for the Islanders just isn't really close. It's insane. And I think part of it is, like, we all love Tory Krug. And I'm, with, I'm in the same camp as you. Deserves every dollar he gets. He's been shortchanged his whole career. Deserves every dollar of the eight or nine million that the Red Wings are going to yeah. helicopter into his house um, to give him. But do you really, as a, is it a smart move as a team that's kind of on the fritz here of retooling and potentially rebuilding a few years down the line to hand a 30 year old or going to be a 30 year old left shot, smaller, only offensive defenseman, really that amount of money per year with that long of a term. I mean, that is a deal that I can totally see when he's 34, 35, looking at going, the Bruins aren't in a position to really need this deal on their books. No, I, I'm convinced that, that Don Sweeney has made the same analytics that you have and said, look, I love the guy. I, I want to keep him on my team, but I can't pay that for that amount of time for it. And I'm not going to blame him a bit when it, when it happens. Yeah, and that's I think we've we've come to expect it. When we thought the cap would go up, it was like, oh, Krug coming back makes good sense. They'll have cap space. It's going to keep going up. So be it. Now it's so much different with this flat cap and with the where the position that the Bruins are in with the veteran core and these young guys. And by the way, Krug does not fit in either. He's more the middle, kind of that middle right. bridge there. Do you really want to put a ton of money into that? So that'll be interesting. Um, I think the guy you do spend that money on is Charlie McAvoy. Yes. Oh, I'm totally That's on the that. Guy. I'm totally on board you know, with that. If you think about the progression of franchise defensemen in the history of the Boston Bruins, and, and you know, you go from Orr to Park to Bork to Chara, McAvoy's the next guy in that, in, in that progression. He's the guy you do spend a, a seven year deal for nine or 10 million a year on because he's the guy you're going to, you're going to center your franchise on going forward. Yes, and I think when you put him with Grizzly, you're going to see a much different Charlie McAvoy. When those two were together, statistically, they were very good. There was a lot of potential with them. I think they are going to be great. I think McAvoy, 
I've always been high on McAvoy. I think he had a great start to his career in that Senators series. Um, and I think playing with Chara was great at the beginning. I think, you know, he's, he has to break every puck out pretty much. You know, there's ups and downs to playing with Chara at this point in his career. Um, but I'm totally in on paying McAvoy whatever he needs. What's funny is you mentioned a rebuild like the Red Sox. For Bruins fans to understand what a rebuild like the Red Sox are going through right now would be like for the Bruins, think of Look trading, at the Red Wings. Think of trading David Pasternak. Like that's like your Moogie Betts type thing, right? I mean, it's the same type of thing. They have the same impact, same young star, face yep. of the league. Trading that trading Moogie Betts would be like trading uh, David Pasternak. So um, I do not yeah. want to see them go through any rebuild anytime soon. And I think other people, I mean, Wiggy on, on our radio station has said, you know, trade Bergeron. That was the best. I, <laughs> I, I, I think that there are people who have earned and deserve the right to begin and end their career. Uh, I wish, I wish the Bruins had been able to do it with Ray Bork. Uh, it didn't work out that way. Um, I, I would never want to see Patrice Bergeron wear another uniform. Um, <laughs> He might be my favorite Bruins player of all time. Might be my favorite Bruins person of all time. And, oh, by the way, he's still really freaking good. Now, also that. Wiggy, Wiggy's argument is he gets you a lot in return because he's really good. And I get it. But are you net positive if you trade away a, gay, a guy like Bergeron? Because I don't think you are. No, I don't, I don't, I don't see what that does. You've done winning here. You've been to cups. You, you've won one. You'd like to win another. I think it'd be really good for the legacies of that veteran core to win another. But what's the point of, of dealing a guy away like that? Same with Chara. I don't want to see Chara in another uniform. You know, I don't think we will. I, I don't think he signs anywhere else. I don't know if there's going to be anywhere that comes out of the woodwork to sign him. Um, but. I, you know, Chara, Bergeron, no need to see them in another jersey. Um, they should absolutely finish their careers here. Also, those people who want to trade, who want to, like, blow up the whole thing, just want chaos. And chaos is fun. I mean, chaos can be really fun, but it's not fun when you go see a team on the ice who has – I don't know. I've, I've kind of lived chaos since March. I'm not a big fan right now. Yeah, it's We've not that chaos fun. in our lives since March, and uh, I wouldn't mind a little a little normality and, and a oh. little a little, you know, chill for a while. It is nice to see some, like, fans in the stands here, even if it's really not that safe. It is, like, cool to kind of see, hey, like the Kansas City game the other night, uh, the opening game for the NFL. Like, oh, there's, there's fans here. It's kind of cool, you know? The cheering and forgot about and, that. And, and booing. And I mean, booing just, the moment of I unity. Mean, honest to God. Let's, let's boo the moment of unity. Yeah, <sighs> you know, and, and let's boo the moment of unity so that we can get to the tomahawk chop. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, yeah, tough start for the, uh, Kansas City Chiefs fans, uh, in week one. But yeah, no, I agree. I didn't, uh, I, the minute they came to lock arms, I just heard the boo. I was like, oh my God, I forgot about this. Um, maybe they were just, maybe they were, they, maybe they wanted Tuka Rask. They were, they were were doing two for Tuka Rask. Or maybe they're racist. Or that. Or that. Or Probably that. the latter. Probably the latter. Yeah. I don't know if they're champion to Garask out there. Um, but Dale, as always, thank you for joining. Is there anything you'd like pleasure. to plug before I let you go? I'm working on book number two right now. Uh, in fact, when I'm done talking to you, I've got to make a phone call to the guy. Uh, I'm, I'm helping a former Bruin write his autobiography. It's an as-told-to book. Um, I, I, I haven't been given permission by Triumph Books to tell you who it is yet, although I don't oh. know why. We're, we're, we're really deep into this whole thing. The, uh, the manuscript is due December 31st. Um, 
but let's just say it's a uh, it's a former Bruin fans love, and I have a feeling they'll like to hear his story. And uh, hopefully within the next couple of weeks, I can tell everybody who it is because he and I have been working on this thing since like February. You and, told me uh, about this a while ago. Yeah, we've been working on it for a while, and uh, I, I I like it so far. Uh, and I'm generally kind of harsh on things that I that I write. Uh, the hardest part for me has been finding his voice because this is his story, not my story. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, trying to make sure that I tell this the way he would tell it. Uh, but I think we're there. And uh, when uh, when it comes out, I think Bruins fans will want to buy it. And maybe fans, Bruins fans in another city might want to buy it too. There's a hint. I had an idea in my head, but I don't think it's there anymore. Can you say when the era of the player was or no? Can't or give it away. Um, Stanley Cup champion. Oh, I'm not going to guess it out loud, but I have a weird feeling. I know who it might be, but I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to play guessing games because you're not going to tell me. So it's just me yelling in the wind. I've talked to a lot of his uh, his former teammates. Uh, I've, I've, and by the way, every one of them wants to tell tales about this guy. Uh, but it's it's been fun for me to connect with people and talk with people. And uh, I, I think Bruins fans will enjoy the book when it comes out. I'm there, that's all I can give and, you. I'm just going to sit here and quiz myself on the twenty uh, on the cup champs, but um, the most recent cup champ, correct? Yes. Yes. I was going to say, yeah. I was like, not 1970. That wouldn't, uh, I was like, maybe I might not know that as well. Uh, but Dale, as always, uh, people can look forward to that when you announce it, which I imagine will be a pretty big thing. It's going to be soon. Should be fun. And also Dale and Keith every day, 10 to 2 on WEI. Dale, as always, thank you for joining and for CLNS Media. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruinsby listeners have a great rest of your week. Yeah.